Okay, many of you who have seen the news of uh, Chris Pappas being a mayor in KwaZulu-Natal for the Democratic Alliance, you would have seen another image doing the rounds uh, of Councillor Nikati, uh, who is the deputy mayor-designate. And many of you have, whether you are DA supporters or not, been saying on social media how absolutely brilliant it is that, in fact, we now have young people taking the reins and demonstrating that um, age is not necessarily a barrier to leadership at local government level and that the Umgeni municipality is no different. And Sandile is, of course, expected as deputy mayor-elect to become the deputy mayor. Who is he? Other than someone that is smiling and seems to have a lot of fans, and I'm not sure if that's based on his politics or whether that is based on aesthetics. Uh, but I thought I'll chat to him here on Eusebius on Times Live in a short biographical interview so that we can get to know exactly who Sandile is. You're listening to Eusebius on Times Live. That's this latest podcast on Times Live. And it's me, Eusebius McKaiser, exploring the major issues of the week. That means you're going to hear a lot of law, politics and ethics, how they intersect and how important these stories are in the life of all South Africans. When people saw their children must know these are sellouts. They put saliva on the paper. Mr. Julius Malema whispered and said, sing it, sing it. And then they shared that zone. No, I'm not going to apologize. apologize. Can I have my iPad, please? So they stole it. Sandile, good morning to you and thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Uh, good morning, UCBS, and uh, thank you very much for having me. I literally want to know who you are. You were born, I think, in 1985? <laughs> um, yeah, close. No, I was born in 1995. Oh, no, sorry, 1995. Um, Damn, that's even worse. So when you were born, that was my second last year in high school. That's how old you make me feel. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I was going to say, if you were born in the mid-80s, then, you know, you were in your nappies when the last of the states of emergency happened, but you were born way after the last vote were counted in the first uh, election. Where did you grow up? And significantly for you, what do you think, or what did you say being born after 1994 does for you as a political animal? Sure. So, um, yeah, I was born in the small town of Howick. Uh, I grew up in Underberg. I was raised by uh, my grandmother, who was a domestic worker to a white lady, who then, uh, between her and my grandmother, decided to co-raise me. And so I was very fortunate to end up going to former Model C schools, um, which is why I have this accent that I can't seem to shake off. Um, but uh, um, but um, I did my schooling in Howick High School. Uh, Howick Prep was where I went to primary school. And so I'm a born and bred Howick boy in the Guazulu Natal Midlands. Uh, yeah, being born after 95, I, I suppose it's 
it's quite it, it's better because I got to choose a political party without really being discriminated against, and it's quite easy. So I'm very grateful for the forefathers and the ancestors that have come before us politically and what they've done to create such a political environment. Because to be fair, um, you know, back then, I suppose I wouldn't have been allowed to be a member of the Democratic Alliance, or as it were then, um, the PFP or whatever it was back then. Um, and so it would probably have been a predominantly white party, and I don't think I would have been allowed to be a part of mainstream politics. Um, so being part of the generation that came afterwards, um, post-1995, I suppose it came with that. Um, being allowed to participate in student politics at varsity is something that I would not have been allowed to do outside Unizuru or Fortier, um, having gone to well, University of Guadalajara and being able to interact with other other people. So, yeah. I know you mean it in jest, but just reflect for me a little bit. You say this accent that I can't really shake off. You come from a blended family. You've got two moms. And how do you relate to them? Do you relate to them differently? Sometimes people try to anthropologize black South Africans that have come from your background. And you know that there are thousands of black South Africans that have had similar experiences where mom's a domestic worker and you've worked, mom has worked for an employer that um, has done quite a bit to also help with the educational opportunities. Uh, you know, it's not always the case, but there are enough for you not to be an exception. Um, do you, I mean, are you, are you just being playful and slightly self-deprecating? Or how do you, or what do you make of your accent and how do you relate to mom and to other mom? No, no. Um, so, yeah, it's been quite interesting because it's literally two worlds. Uh, so, yeah, my one grand is, lives in the suburbs and my other grand, she lives in the township. Mm. <laughs> so um, at a very early age, I had to kind of learn how to bridge the two. Um, some people accuse people like me of having a, an identity crisis, but I don't necessarily think it's an identity crisis. I suppose we've had to blend. I mean, we had to adapt to to, to the two. But when I go home, I know which <laughs> um, and there's no English there and, you know, um, and but when I go to the to the other side, it's it's quite different. And so that's even my friendship circle is pretty much like that. It's kind of it's kind of blended. Um, but as you said, there's a lot of South Africans, and I think even people that come from for, former Model C schools have had to learn how to adapt um, to cultures which are, let's be honest, quite different to where they were different to what they'd come from. Um, so. Yeah, I suppose it's 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 been it's been interesting. Let me put it that way. It's been an interesting journey, um, but I think I've always known who I am. So, yeah, I just wanted to shake mm. off the, the the issue of ah, this one has got an identity crisis. <laughs> yeah, this question is not a uh, party political question, um, mm. because we want to know you. The the party stuff we can have two, three, four more interviews, right? <laughs> you in an early stage of your career, but honestly, for yourself and and uh, without gaming the question. Um, how does race figure in your life, especially with your interesting um, blended family upbringing? Does race matter? How do, how do you experience race as Sandile with these very interesting, uh, equally important, I think, to you, different parts of your, your life that you straddle? Look, I wouldn't say race is major, but it certainly does play a part. Um, race does exist. Uh, and a society is constructed on race, you know, um, when people see me, uh, I know most people like to say that I see you before I see the fact that you're black. 
but that's often not the case. Uh, people see black before they see me and vice versa. You know, I'm, it's, I'm not going to pretend as though it's something that, that is not there. But as you, as you and I both know, it's not something that defines one. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely would not deny the existence of race. Uh, yeah, I'm not a race denialist, <laughs> if I can put it like that. So, yeah. When and how did you enter party politics? I think um, it was definitely in 2014 when I became a member of DASO, uh, Democratic Alliance Student Organization, um, on campus. So when I when I re- when I enrolled at the University of Wasn't Utah, uh, a few uh, a, f- a couple of friends and myself decided to start some form of a DASO structure on campus because it was mainly Sasco, and we had seen what the guys had done at Nelson Mandela Bay, and you know they they they, they, they inspired us a lot, <laughs> um, and the guys at UCT as well. And so we started out and it was it was difficult uh, because uh, liberal politics, even though I don't necessarily define as a liberal, but uh, liberal politics uh, in KZN in particular is not is not as big as it would be in um, Cape Town. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, uh, but it, we took a beating. <laughs> uh, people calling us sellouts, you know, the usual that uh, the slow words that are thrown at black people in the DA. But yeah, so that's where I, that's why I joined, the, the reason why I joined the DA, in fact, was because I believed in its principles and its policies and values. So most people, uh, like to think, don't really int- um, look into uh, parties' manifestos, what parties actually stand for and their, and their values and policies. Um, and a lot of people would ask me, why the DA? Because I actually believe in what they stand for. And they, yeah, so you believe in a racist organization? No, <laughs> I believe in various policies and various values that the DA holds. You say you're not really a liberal. What are you? Um, I define myself as a social democrat, uh, and I think you are too. <laughs> uh, the reason being is because a lot of people that I know that are liberals disagree with you fundamentally. <laughs> and I'd say you're more of a social democrat than you are of a, a liberal on various issues. And that's where I see myself as well. I'm definitely a social democrat. Um, there's, yeah, I don't... Um, I respect liberals, I engage with liberals, but I just don't feel that liberalism in its in its purest form, I don't believe that the country is ready for liberalism in its purest form. There's a lot of um, stuff that we have to undo before we can get there. Um, so that's why I am not a liberal, but I'm a social democrat with a, a, a lot of liberal views. I, yeah. If I what is one example, if you have one available now, of an important social democratic issue that the country has to deal with as a matter of justice, where liberalism philosophically isn't really a helpful or an efficient way of getting there? Sure. So um, I think one one issue would be if one had to look at the economy. I don't believe that a outright liberal economy could um, address some of the issues that we are facing in, this, in, in the country at the moment. And that's why you saw parties like the Purple Cow uh, veer off and say, well, you know what, the DA is not liberal enough. Um, they're more, you know, <laughs> social democrat. And so, yeah, so that for me would be it at the moment. I believe that there needs to be a, some form of social net because we have to understand that we're not all starting on the, uh, from the same starting blocks. As mm-hmm. a hundred, um, in a former 100-meter sprinter myself, I, I understand <laughs> what it would be like to be disadvantaged where other people have to jump over hurdles and other people have, you know, a clear track. So, yeah, I think that would be like the major one that stands out for me. And then obviously the, yeah. 
Okay, that's that's an interesting answer. I look forward to pursuing some of those with you in future, including um, some of your colleagues' description of me as social democratic. But this is about bringing you into the public space, not not about my view. So I, I'll, I'll leave that there for now. Um, tell me how you feel about having won award and what the role of a deputy mayor is. Um, I, I often joke with, uh, with, with the mayor and I say, you know what, uh, most people wake up and find out whether you're going to work or not and then decide whether they're going to assume your role. But in my case, I actually won a award of the ANC, so I have to deliver on various, <laughs> on various things that I'd said I'd deliver. Um, but a lot, of the, a lot of the stuff that I'd have to do um, is what I'm delegated to. So knowing Chris Papas, he delegates quite a few duties because he's got his hands full at the moment. Um, we've just, it's the first year around municipality in Guazulu, Dallas, so it's going to be a difficult one. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I'm going to have to try to split myself between the ward because I am a directly elected ward councillor. So it's not like I can kind of, um, what's the word, uh, outsource that to someone else. I have to literally be here and I have to literally ensure that, you know, services are delivered. So that's going to be quite an interesting one, how I, how I um, handle the two, but I'm, I'm equal to the task. What are the three um, or four most important issues for the ward and for the municipality? So at, beginning with the ward, uh, I think it's like um, the major uh, issue as it is in the country at the moment is um, youth unemployment. That would be the first. Um, cleanliness is the second. Um, and I think uh, safer communities, well, a safe community will be the third for the ward. And then for the uh, for the municipality as a whole, uh, the I, I think we just need to get it onto the right track financially so that we can deliver services. You know, we can't deliver services on a, you know, a municipality that is currently bankrupt. So, um, yeah, so those are the first, those are, those are our major issues and those are our major things that we need to sort out. Is it true that you are making people reapply for their jobs? No, that's completely untrue. <laughs> and that would be illegal according to the various labor relations laws and stuff like that. So that's stuff like that. But yeah, that would be completely, completely, completely illegal. So that's not true. That's the social media. It's, yeah, it's doing the rounds, but not true. One thing that is also true is that local government across the country in part malfunctions because there are people who are corrupt or inept or both. And that's why people like Herman Mashaba is desperate if you were to become mayor to do skills audits, for example. Mm. You can't do things outside the law. I'm glad that you are laughing that it is important to behave lawfully. But are you going to be interested in, within the law, auditing the skills of those who work in your municipality? Sure. So, yeah, we've, we've, we, we've said that. Um, and some people saw that post that said that we're going to, um, what's called, make them reapply. And we're like, no, that's not the case. What we said is that we're going to conduct a skills audit. And, and so one of the issues that came up, someone said, well, well, you know, what happens if, you know, I'm not schooled enough? And they said, well, we look at how you got the job. And, you know, if you need to be upschooled, then there are programs for that to upschool individuals who are currently employed okay. in the sector. Um, but what we can't protect are people who fraudulently got the job in the first place that produced a false qualification, mm. um, whether or not that person now has the requisite experience and is, you know, knows the ropes of the job. Mm. And secondly, people who have been fingered in the various reports, the SRU report being one of those. So those people, unfortunately, we cannot support, um, uh, excuse me, we cannot protect and they'd have to, you know, face the music. But again, 
would have to follow the letter of the law, uh, follow due process. Um, and yeah, that's how we'd eventually get to possibly dismissing some municipal officials mm. that do not um, well come out proper in the skills auditing. So, but that's a, that's a lawful process that needs to that needs to unfold. So, I've got a, a second last uh, question for you. Um, everyone keeps both praising you, but there's a fine line between praise and being condescended to, both you and the mayor um, for your age. I mean, it's inspirational. It's fantastic. Old people don't have a monopoly on wisdom. If anything, they often have a monopoly on corruption. Um, do you think you are too young? too inexperienced. What do you say to, to people who, who think that your age is double-edged? On the one hand, fresh ideas, fresh energy. On the other hand, zero institutional knowledge. Sure. Um, yeah, no, and there have been quite a few people who have raised that concern. Um, and one of the issues, well, one thing that we need to put out there is that, yes, myself and Chris are the mayor and the deputy mayor, but we have a team behind us that hasn't really been you know, hasn't really gotten the media attention, if I can put it like that, that we may have. So we have experienced counsellors that have been there for years. Um, one of them was going to join us on uh, as one of the executive committee counsellors. So we'll have um, a steady hand at the till in that sense. We also have, we've drawn people from various backgrounds. Um, we have business uh, people, we have um, entrepreneurs, we have people that come from social work, um, and so it's not going to be a one-man show or two-man show. Um, we're going to have to draw from the various experiences. We are a caucus at the end of the day, and it is party politics. Mm-hmm. So we're going to focus on various issues mm-hmm. and um, battle the ideas and the best ideas will, you know, will materialize in how we, yeah. uh, on how we run the municipality. Final question, just one minute for it. You've inspired I mean, a lot of young people also in terms of what has been reported on anyway as your intellectual and academic interests as well. Um, just for the record, um, what postgrad studies are you undertaking and are you going to manage with this new job? Are you in a PhD program at the moment? And, and what was your master's on? Okay, cool. I know that I saw that it was omitted that I had a master's. So a lot of people are like, how can you go to honor from honors to the PhD? So no, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that was a mistake. Uh, but I do... I do hold a master in uh, social science, and my do you, what's the word? What's it called again? Um, my major—that's what it is. My major is political science, and I'm pursuing political science once again, and uh, looking particularly now at uh, local government, um, and perhaps arguing, hopefully, uh, for a reform in local government. Um, so okay. outside metros, you've got a two-tier system where you've got your um, local governments and you've got your districts. Mm. So if you look at someone like Peter Maritzburg, for example, it has it, it discharges already all the functions of a district municipality. Mm. So the idea of having Maritzburg as a, a local government under a district, at, you know, is that still needed? Or is it not some thought that, you know, it was great when it was conceptualized, but yeah. Yeah, perhaps it's time to now create another category of a municipality, yeah. um, secondary secretary metros, your secondary oh, cities. Stunning. That's stunning. So that so doctoral work will go on and it builds on what you started in the Masters. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, all the best with this new role. Um, politics and ideology battles aside, we need to get the country working and local government is crucial. And very often it's not sexy work, but it's the most important work from a material conditions and transformation point of view. Thanks so much for introducing yourself to the listeners of Eusebius on Times Live. No, thank you very much, uh, Eusebius, and uh, yeah, thank you for your time. <laughs>